and welcome to our round six review on the Doctor Supercoach podcast. I'm joined this week again by Peter. Peter, how'd your week go? Did not go well again. It's starting to become one of those seasons for me. Um, after many injury trades already down the down uh, the drain uh, with Robbie Gray last week, um, I traded in Pritis for his terrible score this week of 75. So that was. Um, Another good week for me with 2040 um, and into rank 31,000, which is well, not good at mm. all. No. How are you doing? Um, I actually had an excellent week. I'm up at, I scored 2,199. I'm, I was riding Nick Nat to get one last point or just get close to a, a reasonable number so I could get 2,200 but fell short by a point. Yeah. yeah big problems, right? Um... I'm ranked 5,190, so I jumped 5,000 spots this week. Managed to avoid that Goldstein captaincy, um, as did the community team, who scored 2,201, ranked 10,427. Did you keep an eye on that one, mate? Yeah, I did. The community team is very, very solid. Um, They avoided pretty much all of the shittier rookies. Um, Seemed to have some really good picks in... Uh, Hanbury and Parker in the midfield doubling, doubling up on the Sydney midfield this week was awesome. Lethal um, combo. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure where what the goal is for this week. They already have Petrarca, so that's good. Maybe they'll free up some cash um, and get in some of the rookies that we'll talk about soon. Excellent. Um, on those rookies, we got a Cal some this week. Um, there are some building some seriously high break evens, and it's getting scary. Namingly, I'll go through the three Essendon boys first, and starting with the most concerning one, Matt D. He's he's gone up to two hundred ninety-six thousand nine hundred dollars, but he has a break-even of ninety-four this week. Um, it's offload time for D, isn't it? Cut him. Just cut him right now. Mm, it's yeah. He did make a, quite a bit of cash, so I mean, you can't really complain. He did have a couple of nice scores in there, but. Seems to have stagnated with the rest of the Essendon team, um, which includes Parrish, $331,100, break-even of 75 now. Um, not as desperate of a, of a jump-off, but what would you do with him? Um, I'd probably still cut him now because it's becoming time where you should be downgrading and upgrading to get your team uh, to fully premium status. So, yeah, I think he's one that's probably going to have to make way. But if you have other more concerning issues, I guess you could leave it for another week. But he'd want to be out of there pretty soon. Yeah, um, he's he's a good chance to get near that at least. So he won't lose too much cash and probably isn't a yep. top priority. Um, tipping Woody, $309,500. His break-even's up to 64 now. Um Considering his year, you wouldn't you wouldn't really think that you'd need to jump off this week, but considering how Essendon have tracked so far, I'm I'm straight off him right now. Uh, you've got him as well, obviously. What are you doing with him? Well, I actually have to hold because I still have D and another guy we'll talk about soon in Weedering. But Tipper, I think you can potentially hold him this week. The problem is Essendon do play Sydney at the SCG, which probably means another bout of low scores for Tipper and D, um, in which case it's going to be very difficult for you to, you know, 
not get maximum value from sorry to get maximum value from them because they probably won't reach their break evens this week. Hopefully, Tipper doesn't drop very much, but I can't see him getting too much higher than sixty-four. Yep. Um, look, they they looked excellent so far this year, and especially in the first four rounds. Um, particularly, they've they've gone above and beyond expectation. Essendon were extremely competitive. But right now, it just looks like they've given a lot of energy and are left with not much. Um, I reckon it's red, very, very red flags for each and every Essendon player, and it's it's almost time to jump off um, on as many as you can and try to um, try to get some fresh rookies into your team. Um, off of Essendon onto Carlton now. Weedering's up to three hundred thirty-eight thousand four hundred dollars. So he's had a big price um, price appreciation. His break even after after doing his shoulder is up to hundred and fourteen. I don't own him. I believe you do. What are you going to do with Weedering? I think I'm going to have to trade him this week if he is named. Um, there is an article on the AFL website that said he's still in contention to play next week. So if he doesn't play, I'll probably hold him because the break he won't change in price. But if he is named, I think it's uh, unfortunately time to go for Jacob. Yeah, I mean, if he scores another less, another score under seventy, then he's gonna he's gonna drop quite significantly and lose a lot of the good work that he's put in so far. Um, it's it's unfortunate because he was looking to make quite a bit more cash and maybe even a last upgrade option, but. Yeah, when injury strikes, you've just you've got to act quickly, and unfortunately for Weedering, he's probably got to go. Um, On to players that probably aren't in as bad of positions as the one that we've just named. Um, ben Kennedy to start with, $295,900. He's got a break-even of 51. Um, I'm holding him this week. Pete, what are you doing with him? I'm also holding him, but again, that's because of other priorities. I wouldn't begrudge anyone if they wanted to ditch Ben Kennedy, but 51's very um, you know, reasonable break-even for him, and I think he'll probably get it. So no rush there for this week, um, unless you're desperate for the cash is made, which is probably you know, going to happen for a lot of, a lot of you guys out there. Yeah, um, I'd consider him behind D, Tipper, and especially Weedering in priorities this week um he just i mean he hasn't been exceptional but he's still scoring those other high 50s or mid 60s or like they're not great scores and you probably if you've got him on the field which most people would then it looks a lot worse than it is but he's he still doesn't have an alarming break even so you can hold him if you if you have other um alarming issues to attend to um as with the next bloke mccarthy who Copped a couple of head knocks, which affected his score. He's at 282,500, break even of 43. What are you looking to do with McCarthy? Um, I'm going to hold him this week uh, because, as I said, it's all, all the same. But, uh, yeah, 43 he should get. I'm a bit worried because uh, his nice scores will go out of his rolling average shortly. And he did get 44 last week. And he, I think he got concussed twice or hit in the head twice. Yeah, he during the game, two, so. two head knocks during the game. One in the early in the first quarter when he was still on zero, and went off for a bit, and then one um, into the third quarter, I think it was. Very unlucky. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully he will continue to score pretty well like he'd done in the previous fortnight before uh, last week. Um, and yeah, it's not probably not his time yet. 
look, worst case scenario, if he does score poorly again, um, he'll probably still go up a little bit and you can now prioritise him over other players. At the moment, though, he's definitely one to hold on to. Um, another one probably in the same boat as McCarthy is Medjury, 220,500. He's just been way, way underperforming um, considering what we expected of him, which was, I mean, honestly, 70s, maybe 80s. But his break-even is still down at 41, and he's he's, prob- he's very capable of getting it. What are your thoughts? I'm a bit disappointed with Manager. I thought he'd be quite a good pick, but look, I mean, he could be dropped anytime soon. He's not playing particularly well, and the worst part about it is he's made just less than 70k for us. Um, that is not good output from a rookie that we selected. Um, I think there's a lesson to be learned here that most of these players we're talking about haven't made us that much money when you think like D started at like 185-ish thousand, so he's only made, you know, 110k. Yeah. Parrish, same, about the same. Same as Weedering, 110k. Ben Kennedy, 110k. Um, the only one that's actually made good money is Tipper, who's made over 200,000, which is, you know, almost double the other guys. I think there's definitely a lesson learned here that should probably start with the cheaper rookies rather than go for the more expensive um, ones, unless it's for job security reasons, which I guess in some of these cases it was. Well, this year we were um, we were backed into a corner with the amount of rookies that were named around one, and it was really slim picking. So the the more expensive ones were just a lot safer, and as it turns out, they haven't they haven't appreciated as much cash as we would have liked. Um, prioritizing your trade outs now, assuming all of these players are named for next week. Um, do you want to just give them a quick one to maybe three of players that we need to be getting out this week? Yeah, I'd trade out D, I think, first, uh, followed by Weedering, then probably Parrish, and then Ben Kennedy, Tipper, McCarthy, Manager. Um, what about you? Yeah, well, very similar. Um, I'm going to go. Sl- I'm going to go kind of on break even here. So I'd trade Weedering first, and then D. Um, and then maybe Tipper. I think Tipper's. He's just such a such a risk at as yeah, such a risk to not score that sixty four, whereas Parrish and Ben Kennedy and the others will probably get close. So I'd say Weedering then D then Tipper for me. Um, I I do have two of those three, so I'll be trading them, which is D and Tipper. Um, trading them two, which is the next topic of of conversation. Um. Number one on the list, and he's a Collingwood boy, uh, Smith. How's he, how's he looked, mate? Oh, he was great. I mean, he got 29 touches against the Eagles. He didn't use the ball particularly well, but he did get, as I said, 29 touches, which is a lot. You can't really teach that. You just you have the skill or you don't to rack up the possessions, and he's got it. Um, in our next two matches, we play Carlton, which... You know, you're hoping that he'd get a somewhat decent score at the G. Yep. And then Lions at the Gabba. So relatively favourable fixtures. Uh, I think he could, you know, score particularly well. He'll probably get given chances. You don't generally get dropped when you get 29 touches. So uh, I think he's going to be with a minus 108 break even. Could be first looking at a first jump price rise of about 90k. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely top priority for me is getting uh, Josh Smith into my team. 
Um, a couple of pros as well that you didn't mention. He's 102,000, so his basement price, and he is selectable in the midfield, which, from what we've had uh, available to us this season so far, is great news. So um, I reckon Smith was... I traded to Smith within three seconds of the lockout, so he's straight into my team, and I'm going to back him in very, very heavily. Um, next on the list is Peter Wright. Now, he started off amazingly in his first game and then copped a bit of treatment. Um, Gold Coast couldn't kick a goal, so he was obviously very down in his input. At an inflated price of 187,000, negative 66 break-even, um, would you look to get Peter Wright in at all? I probably would ignore him just knowing that the following week I'd probably have to get Petrarca and perhaps another rookie like Ben Keyes, in which case I'd like to at least upgrade this week. So right again at the 187,000 mark, I think I might learn lessons from the beginning of the year and not select a rookie that's that expensive and stick with the cheaper ones like Smith, 102k, or as I said, Petrarca next week at 123k. Um, yeah, definitely going to learn <laughs> learn yeah. from past mistakes. He seems um he seems like a very risky pick and you certainly can't pick him expecting anything more than seventy and let alone hundred and forty like he pulled out that first week. Um I'd definitely stay away from him. Um next on the list is Fremantle's Tucker, who came out very, very strongly in that first round and then came crashing back down to earth in the second. He's hundred and seventeen K with a negative 32 break-even. Um, with the amount of defensive rookies that we've got, would you try fitting him in as well? Look, if you have D and Weedering and you can't swing things around and you need a defensive downgrade option, Tucker is a pretty good option, I feel. He was a gun junior, so that's a big tick. He hasn't quite translated that in uh, to AFL yet, so his scoring is a bit iffy. But with Freo doing so badly, I think his job security is hopefully, it should be pretty decent. I think he'll play about a dozen games. Um, so that's, you know, solid and could stay in their, their lineup for quite a while. Not sure how much cash he'll make, but he just might be a slow burn. And if you need to, yeah, ditch Weirdring or D, he's not the worst option. Um, I don't think he'll be like ruggles and get dropped and stuck in your bench. Well, I hope not. Uh, so I think if you have to get somebody in, it's it's really okay. Yeah, um, he does look like a safe option in terms of job security. Maybe not as high a ceiling as some of the other rookies that we'll see in the next week or two, but very safe for um, maybe just sitting on the end of your bench and just letting him slowly generate some cash and not miss many games. Um, next, and a bit of a surprising one. I was definitely surprised when I saw him on the, on the list of bubble boys. Um... Jonathan Simpkin, who's priced at $223,400 with a negative 23 break-even. Um, you can't fork out this much cash for Simpkin, can you? No, no, definitely not. Not above 200000 When When you're downgrading a rookie, you're barely making any cash. And especially, he's not even... I mean, he might go up, you know, another 110 k but you really want to be getting about 150 k from your downgrades if you can. That would be success so you know this probably isn't worth it he has scored well I think he's got a 72 and 82 or something like that yeah. um, from from his two games so he can score but that's not going to be enough it's not going to get him to a price that's high enough for him to be a worthwhile option you're just not going to make enough cash just simply put 
Yeah, much agreed. And for an Essendon team that has no players, I'm not quite sure on his job security either. Um, you, you'd want to yeah, in and out. Yeah, you'd want a much safer pick, especially at, at that price. So I'd avoid him at all costs. Um, now the big American who made such a good impression, well, the best impression you can make with your first kick uh, last week at on Anzac Day. Um, He's at 117,300 with a negative 73 break-even. Um, he is an interesting one because he does offer ruck cover, but I haven't strongly considered him. What about yourself? Well, as a Collingwood fan, I must say I've been very, very impressed with him and really like him. I can't see him getting dropped anytime soon. He put in another really solid performance against West Coast. I think if you guys need a forward option, then he is perfectly okay. Um, although I would suggest waiting or getting Petrarca instead, just because I feel like Petrarca's scoring potential is way higher than Cox. So he'll probably make you more money. And then if you do that trade this week, then next week you can upgrade instead of you know downgrading the Cox this week and then having to get Petrarca next week. So I think that Cox, while being a good option, it's probably not the best option in many people's circumstances for this week. What do you think? Would you um would you consider perhaps trading out a player that you had in there for loophole purposes like Wyatt or um someone of that nature? Would you would you think of trading out someone like that for Cox? Just just for the personally, cover aspect? Uh, personally I wouldn't. I think you're burning a trade to bring him in for cover. But if your Ruckman gets injured, you may as well spend that trade on trading out your Ruckman. Um, I think that's a better way to look at it. Uh, look, you need a, you kind of need a loophole in this. Uh, unless you can nail your captain every single week, you kind of need the loophole. I mean, if you didn't have a loophole this week and you stuck the C on Goldie, you'd be very disappointed. So it yeah. just goes to prove the worth of a loophole. Yep, and I tend to agree. I I haven't really considered Cox at all, especially not in my my ruck or my forward. Really, um, I just money better spent elsewhere, in my opinion. Um, I do like him as a pick though, and if you do have say, uh, I, there aren't really any rucks to downgrade if you've got a, an R threes there. So, yeah, he's just a bit of a tough one. He's he's a really t- if we started off with someone like Gr- Grimley playing every game and was ready to call at this round, then I could see that. But, I mean, he's just in a tough spot. Um, next player is another Ruckman, but a more inflated-priced Ruckman, and that's the Dan Curry. Um, God, we're used to having him on the bench. Um, 163k, negative 27 break-even. Is he in consideration at all? Uh, not if you have two set and fiat Ruckman, he isn't. I think the only possible way you'd consider him is if you had Zach Smith or Lewenberger as your R2 for some reason and you wanted to get extra cash and this was your only viable way. I don't know what universe this is in, but I'm sure for some people that's going to be helpful because um, he seems to take have taken the number one Ruck mantle at Gold Coast, but I don't know for how long. Um, because they seem to rate him, but he doesn't look that good, so I'm, I'm not really too sure. What are your thoughts on him? Um, it was interesting to see that Nichols was actually available to play this week, and they still went with Curry, so he must be doing something right. 
but two scores in the 60s, his scoring potential just isn't there at all. And at that price, I'd rather someone like Cox or Greenley. So it's a definite no for me from for Curry. Um, we might as well move on to Grimley now, um, 123k, negative three break even, um, he's, he hasn't come into my considerations, I think it's the same as, as Curry, I'd rather get Cox, Cox has just looked so much better, um, Grimley only pulled out like a 24 today, um, Sunday whenever, you, whenever you're listening, um, I, I don't think he's a viable option as well, what do you think? Yeah, I'll agree with that, there's not much more to add there. Um, next is Dougal Howard, another Ruckman, although he's eligible in the forward line. 123k, negative 34 break even. I'll take the lead on this one. Um, he's in this side for Loby. Um, Loby was dropped, he's not injured, so it's a, a week to week thing. I was impressed enough with Howard, and considering we actually bagged a win against a team somehow worse than us, um, I reckon Howard will keep his spot. But the scoring, again, isn't there, and the job security isn't really either, so it's it's a pass for me on Howard too. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, quite simply, there's just better options, so there's no real point on having that consider these players. Yep. Um, l- lastly, um, he is on the bubble, so we thought we'd mention him. Bailey Dale, um, a few of you might remember him from last year, uh, 168k... Um, 28 break even so he's done nothing really he's might even go down in price um, not in considerations at all um, would you agree? No yeah he he got two scores in the 30s and his break even is 28 so he is a legitimate chance of dropping in price um, that has to be the worst cash cow ever really well, yeah. well I mean I know there's been worse if I remember Ben Griffiths in his first year who went down from his starting price, which was pretty funny, but um, this is also particularly bad, so <laughs> definitely stay away. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't even good last year. He only got to something like what he's at now, so yeah, just don't even look twice at Dale. Um, that pretty much does it. I mean, what if people are considering going early on someone like Petrarca or that? Um I actually rate Smith high enough to, to say that we don't need to go early on any of these players, whereas I wasn't as confident last week. Um, Smith is the only one I'd go for this week, in my opinion, unless you've got exceptional circumstances. Um, but I don't think there's any need to rush in a player this week. What do you reckon? So let me ask you a question then. If you add Ben Keys and Petrarca into the mix, which how would you order these rookies that you'd want to get in? Um, in my circumstance alone, I can get Smith this week, then double downgrade next week, and I fully expect to get Petrarca and Keys then. If you're dead set on an upgrade next week and you don't have the cash to do it this week, then um, getting Smith and Petrarca in this week, um, I could also accept. Um, what, what about you? If you were in the same position... Um, and you wanted to get three of these rookies in, how would you prioritise getting them in? I would uh, definitely get Smith in as my top priority. Yeah. Uh, if I needed to get a forward rookie, I would get Petrarca. If I needed to get a defensive rookie, if I had two defenders that had to come out, then I wouldn't mind getting Tucker. Um, I think if you need to go early on Petrarca, it would not be the worst thing in the world because his job security should be there. So that's okay if you want to jump a little bit early he, he'll uh, he'll be fine in the long run 
Yep. Um, I think the only reason we're talking about jumping early is if you do have to make an upgrade next week because there are two players like well Petrarca and Keys namely that um will probably certainly want to get on next week. So if you do need to do an upgrade, if you've got something dead set in your mind, you have to do that upgrade next week, then jumping early on Petrarca is, isn't the worst call at all. I don't think you'll get burnt on the other side with that one. Would you agree? Yep, yep definitely. Um, and then, yeah, we've both agreed on Smith being the main and probably only priority this week amongst the other bubble boys. Yep, that's it. Um, moving on, I have a bit of a bit of a red flag to bring up. Zaharakis. Um, back-to-back scores under the ton. Um, and he just... He looks like he's going with Essendon and Essendon are dropping off. Um, now, it might be a little bit alarming because he's... His ownership is massive, but I'd almost consider jumping off Zaharakis at this point. Uh, what do you feel? How do you feel about that statement? Uh, big statement because I think a lot of people just brought him in, so it'd be tough for them to swallow. I think pride-wise as well, um, he isn't quite looking like that 110 mid that people were hoping for, and also he stopped making cash. I think he dropped 2,000 or something like that last yep. week. Or six thousand, so that's almost done there for making cash. If you look at his draw coming up, Sydney at the SCG, North Melbourne at Etihad. I mean, that's two tough games where he might struggle to score. It eases up a little bit with St Kilda at Etihad and Richmond at the G, but then three games in a row: Frio um, at Domain Stadium, Hawthorne at Etihad, and GWS at Etihad, and then the bye. He might drop again before the buy before you can ditch him, which means if he's going to be at a lower price right before the buy when a lot of you probably planned on jumping off him, it might be worth jumping off now or sometime soon, especially when a lot of the premium price midfielders are at a really low price. Um, it's worthy to note that his break-even is 139, so he's almost certainly going to drop against Sydney at the SCG this week. Um, it just, for people that traded him in as a premium 110 plus averager, um, you can't look at him like that anymore. He's now a stepping stone. Um, you can, you can track his progress with Essendon's started off really well, burst out the gates, challenged some teams were looking competitive, but they've just, they're, they're flat at the moment. They've run out of energy and like the rookies, D Parish and Tipper, I'd recommend maybe looking to move Zaharakis before he ends up costing you money. Um, and points. Yeah, what what would you think about Merritt then? Obviously, uh, <laughs> I was going to say the good Merritt. Um, sorry if Jackson Merritt's listening to this podcast, but uh, yeah, <laughs> is that Merritt? Merritt's, um, he's a little different because he's, um, I assume he's in your forward line. Um, he, considering his good start and the fact that he's still getting 80s, that's good enough for a forward. So he's probable to still finish in the top 10. Um, I don't think he'll cop it as bad as Zaharakis will. Zaha, he's just, he's. I'd give him a one percent chance of finishing in the top ten midfielders. So he's he's really not worth it at this point. Um, he's not making cash, so you can't say oh, I'll get him. In worst case scenario, he'll make me a lot of money because he's not anymore. Um, Mera, I'd definitely hold on to, and at worst case scenario, I look to move on in the buy if he has a, a horrible six or seven weeks. But yeah, I can I can justify holding Merritt until he. He makes the trade in. 
You've got merit. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I have merit, so I will hold him. I think he'll be fine. I mean, he didn't play very well um, against Carlton and still popped out in 90, so I'll take that, and hopefully he can continue popping out 90-pluses in um, terrible games of football. Yeah, um, yeah. hold on to Merritt. He'll, he'll probably be up there for the forwards. Unfortunately for Zaharakis, he's only in the midfield, and it's danger signs at this point, that's for sure. Um, l- looking into the midfield still, if you're doing an upgrade this week, which I know many people are, um, maybe you're just short of people like Hanabry if you don't have danger for players like that. Um, I've had a lot of discussion about Selwood, Ward and Parker. Um, let's just quickly somehow summarise these three exceptional players and try and rate them. Um, Selwood's first. Well, I mean, they're all between 587 and 598k, so the price doesn't really matter. Yep. Selwood and Parker have break-evens of 69. Ward is up at 122. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about each one of these players? Uh, yeah, sure. So I think Parker personally is the one that I would go for first. Um, he's been exceptional form, coming off of 151. Uh, definitely going to go up in price and has Essendon at the SCG next week. So that could be a huge game for Parker. Um He's been unreal this season. I mean, there's no one has, I think, a bad thing to say about him. He's right up there in every category in the AFL. Um, yeah, he's, he's dominating. And, yeah, I don't have a bad thing to say. I'd, I'd get Parker in, I think. Um, what, how do you see Parker this year? Well, Parker just looks like an absolute lock. I mean, he's averaging well, over 120, well, up at 129, maybe. Maybe, yeah, maybe even higher. Um, and he's still less than 600k, which I find amazing. I think Parker averaging 69. Their run is really good in the next um, eight weeks leading up to the buy. I don't have it on me, but I know it's exceptional. Um, look, I'd, it's it's Parker's not going to be cheaper in the next five or six weeks at least. So... I reckon it's pretty much now or never for him. Get him in or watch everyone else score against you. Um, having said that, I think Selwood's also a really good option at 3k more. Um, also a break-even of 69. The thing that worries me about Selwood is that his massive scores have come in massive wins. Um, how do you see Selwood? I like Selwood as a pick. I think he's been great this season. Um I, the thing that put me off was the quote going into round one where he said, I don't think I play all the games. Maybe that was just talk, but it's still in the back of my mind, so I can't quite put him into my team just now, uh, which is hurting me because he's pumping up big scores. He's playing well, but as you said, it's big scores and big wins, um, and their draw has not really been very difficult so far. Uh, it will be an interesting test against uh, the Eagles at skilled stadium uh, this week if he pops out a really big score and it's a close game then I'll definitely have to have a closer look yeah I agree Um, it's just a little concerning that he's pumping out massive scores and massive wins and when they've either been tight wins or um, I think they've had one loss this year they haven't been quite on the same level whereas Parker just seems to consistently 
um, rip out massive scores out of uh, everywhere he can get them. Um, now, we haven't really touched on Callum Ward. Um, he's just... In the discussion of those two, I'd actually rate him higher than Selwood, but definitely below Parker. I think Parker's got quite a big jump on both of these guys. Um, but Ward just seems like an exceptional pick, and if you started with him or got him in early as a POD, then um, he hasn't let you down. He's super consistent, and um, I can't fault the pick at all. If you don't have, um, if you do have Parker, and uh, tossing up between Ward and Selwood, I'd put Ward above Selwood. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it's pretty interesting. I don't necessarily agree with you. Um, that's probably because Ward has had three really big scores and three okay scores. Um, his big scores being 132, 137, and 142, which is great. Very good, but then there's a 90 against St Kilda, 97 against Geelong, and 109, which is which is solid enough against Sydney. Um, he, he just worries me. I had him all of last year, uh, and he put in some great performances and was very consistent, and then just started slightly fading away and putting the think a 60 and some just gross scores towards the end of the season I think he kind of has that in him with the GWS team um, a lot of the players score very well and so I think there's potential for every now and then him having a real stinker whereas I think Selwood I know it sounds ironic from the from last season I think Selwood is a little bit safer um, in that he's just proven that he can score go above 115 and Ward's more of like 110 sort of guy um, probably a lot of people won't agree with me but Selwood and Geelong look back to their best and when Geelong are back to their best Selwood scores well so I think if I were to order them I'd put Selwood above Ward Question, um, with Ward's drop off did that um, just so happen to follow GWS's drop off when they lost Mummy and Shield? Um, well, it was it was towards the end of the season. I think off the top of my head, um, it was like around 16 and later-ish. Um, I don't actually have it in front of me, so I can't confirm. But uh, he, he did he played well without Mummy for a little bit, and then it just um, kind of died. So yeah, I'd, um, not, I'd, I'd, I'd argue, still be worried. Sorry, um, I'd argue that the drop-off came with GWSs and... If you back GWS to be a top eight team, then you're almost backing Ward to be a top eight midfielder as well. And in that instance, I see him um, being a better pick than Selwood due to the, I mean, what you said about the injuries and the fact that Selwood looks to be riding those massive, massive waves where Geelong are thrashing teams, but then um, can also be a bit of a sluggish player if they're um, if they're finding it difficult as well and. I mean, um, I'm not sure. It's, it's a very, very tough conversation. So um, the differing of opinions um, probably helps, but mine would be Parker, Ward, Selwood. They're, they're all good picks. Like, you, I don't you think can't you can go, go wrong. wrong. So, no. Yeah, if you're, if you're training in one of them, you're going to be happy, I think, with no matter which one you pick. Yeah, definitely. Um, very much agreed. I don't think you can go wrong with any of them. And, I mean, it's just a matter of finding which one may outscore the other. But, I mean, they're all going to be in the conversation anyways. Um, it's just, it comes a lot down to preference, I, I suppose. I mean, you got burnt a little bit by Ward, so you prefer Selwood. 
I started last year with Selwood, Selwood burnt me, I'd kind of prefer Horde, so um, I think we could both definitely agree that Parker is the pick of the bunch, though. Yeah, also something to consider is probably the buys. Just make sure your midfield's a little bit spread out. I know Ward has around 15 buy, which is the same as Selwood, and Parker has around 14 buy. So that could mean something to some people if they're worried about their buy situation, having too many round 15 midfield primos. Yep, great call. Um, Now, I received a a question asking about Liberatore and Adams, um, asking if it was time to jump off, but I... It was Caleb Bidmaid on Facebook, and I don't, I don't think it's time to jump off either of them. Maybe maybe soon with Libba, because he wasn't a pure midfielder in the last couple of weeks. His break-even's up to 89. Um, so maybe when you see an opportunity when someone like Pritisle Gray drops and it's almost a straight swap, then you can jump off Libba, but Adams just looks like he's going he's gonna to make more money. His break-even's only 58. I mean, for him, that's... That's definitely achievable. Yeah, Adams Adams will hit his target, so don't jump off him just yet. Probably let him play a f- couple more games and see see how he's scoring. Libba, I'm a bit more concerned about. It was really hard to judge his role um, on the weekend because he technically was, I think, meant to be playing off half-back flank, which is really strange for an inside midfielder with not amazing kicking skills. But then he copped a corky... And they rested him really deep forward. And then like later in the match, they threw him back into the back line around the halfback area. So it, I don't know if he would have played forward without the corky or if he was going to play in the back line for like a long period of time. It would, I think that's something to watch. If he lines up in the back line again, um, I would jump off him like sooner rather than later because that would just kill his scoring. Um so definitely watch him closely over the coming weeks, but don't jump off him just yet. Yep, um, I reckon he's he's at least going to maintain his price and hopefully for long enough um, for you to see Gray or Pritis or, I mean, there are plenty of um, midfield options that are going to be dropping in price. Rockliffe. Rockliffe's another big one. Um, even someone like Jordan Lewis, if you fancy him, which I certainly don't. Um, Please, yeah. no. He killed me last year. Um, but yeah, so maybe maybe just hold Libra until someone like that becomes better available to you. Um, Adams definitely has another week or two left in him, I'd say. Um, Ashley Davis on Facebook says, Can Parker possibly keep it up? I tried to stay away thinking it's not possible to keep going, but he's making it hard to steer away. That's their first question. Um, yeah, they can. And I was with you and I was... I didn't really rate Parker as a top 10 mid, and I didn't want to get him in, but I got him in this week, and thank God I did. Um, he can keep it up. He's he's going to be exceptional for the whole season, it looks like. Um, big call or no? No, he's a star. He's in like almost Brownlow medal form at the moment, and the way he's playing and the way he's attacking the ball, I can't see him not averaging above 110 or 115 he's dominating so i would really really get him in sooner rather than later yeah and with his break even down at 69 you've heard his his next match is at the scg against essendon um 
get Parker in ASAP. He'd be my upgrade target this week, next week, week after, whenever you can do it, um, preferably this week. Um, if you don't have him, yeah, it's it's go or you know watch everyone else go past the type of thing. Um, the second part of their question was also, do you think Merritt is a top 10 forward come the end of the season? We touched on this earlier. I still think he can maintain that top 10. He can at the very least score... I mean, from 70 to 19 in an Essendon thrashing, which is good. Um, and then when they sort of do get those energetic games where they come out and be competitive and maybe even get on top of another team or two, then he'll be on on the end of those 110, 120s. Um, do you, are you still, you're still confident that he'll be a top 10 forward, obviously? Yeah, I am. I mean, I have him, so unless I don't know what I'm doing, which I'm questioning right now with my rank, <laughs> I think he's going to be a top 10 midfielder. Uh, forwards, yes. Good. Um, Stephen Beaumont has asked, is now the time to get Pendles? Um, now, two weeks ago when Fife went down, I was like, all right, definitely have to get Pendles, definitely have to get Pendles. Then I ended up going with Parker. And I was like, all right, Pendles will be my upgrade target next week. And now I'm still not getting him. Um, he just hasn't convinced me beyond doubt that he's going to turn back to the 120 form. Um, you own him and are a Collingwood supporter. Where do you see Pendles sitting at? Oh, it's such a tough question. I mean, there's a lot of signs pointing to he's going to pick it up. And then there's a lot of signs saying that it's not the same player from last season. Uh, it's really tough call. We play Carlton and then Lions, as previously mentioned. So you'd hope Pendlebury can score well. I think we'll know in the next two weeks if he doesn't score like above 115 in both of those games, then it's a new type of Pendlebury that we haven't seen before and I wouldn't get him in. Uh, I still don't know. It looks like Trelaw is like dominating Collingwood midfield and racking up a lot of points and then there's always someone else that pops up with a lot of points. Pendlebury gets a lot of touches but it also goes quiet. It's 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 weird. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with Pendlebury. I would either get him in this week or just wait and gather more information. Um, yeah, maybe I wouldn't even get him in this week. I think the other options like Selwood and Parker are looking better. What do you think? Um, I I don't think he got to his break even unless he got scaling that I wasn't aware of. It was a hundred and five. I think he finished on just over a hundred, maybe under a hundred and five. Um, so his price isn't going to hurt you on the other side. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd advise just holding off for another at least another week and just see how he's tracking against the lower team like Carlton. Um, I mean he did versus West Coast and they were competitive for two quarters, but. They weren't even really his best quarter, so um, just see how he goes in a week. Don't jump on him yet. Um, hopefully he turns out a decent score and we can all jump on in the week after. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah, it really is. Uh, he's such a super coach favourite, you don't want to see him down, but yeah, <laughs> at the moment you, you'd almost be silly to jump on because he just hasn't shown that much form. Um, next person is Adam Abella, and they've asked, key position forwards seem to be getting it done at the moment. Who do you see finishing the year stronger, the tools or stay with the forwards who are really midfielders? Um, such a tough question. I suppose 
referring to the likes of um, weight, obviously. Josh Kennedy, Gunston all seem to be tracking well. Um, as opposed, Yeah, he's another big one. Um, as opposed to your Merits, Dusties, Dowhouses, um, Deledios, Zorcos. <laughs> Definitely Zorcos. Um, I'd still... I mean, uh, it's it's really whoever you feel like is... I mean, don't even consider that they're... they're to, oh, yeah, you do have to. God, I'm on the fence about this. Um, I'm backing midfielders. I'm still keeping my key position forward rule unless it's Franklin and he has a good draw coming up. Um, I'm not jumping on weight, even though he keeps on challenging me to do so. Um... Gunston would be very cheap, so he's a good upgrade option as a POD, who I know you like, Peter, but I'm not going to jump on him either. I think I'm going to stick with my midfielders, and yeah, at a, at a stretch, I'd probably look at Franklin later on in the year. Um, are you considering any of the, the tools? Um, I am considering Gunston this week. He has dropped to 440k, but with the rookie situation, I'm not sure it would, it's going to be possible for me. Um, probably should say... Hawthorne's draw include uh, Richmond, Fremantle, Swans of the G, then uh, Lions, Melbourne, Dons. Uh, it's a very nice draw. Uh, over a six-week period, there could be five thumpings, um, and Gunston, I think, will score quite well, and he is a big POD. He's only in 5% of teams. Um, so he's definitely one to watch, as well as Jared Waite, as much as it kills me to say. The next three games are Saints at Etihad, Dons at Etihad, and Carlton at Etihad. Oh and he God. could seriously score like 120 over the next three weeks and then we'll all be crying because none of us have him in the team and all these other players got him in that we teased earlier in the season. Um, geez, it's heartbreaking seeing Waite score so well every week for... Uh, Super coach fans, I think it's hard to stomach, but he's getting the job done, and I'm still would say don't get him in. I, I can't, I can't uh, bring myself to tell anybody to bring weight into their team. I think the likes of Zorko, Dalhouse, Dusty, um, Montagna, all these small yeah. midfielders will outscore. At the end of the day, will outscore all the big forwards. Yeah, I agree. Um... And I'd only really, I'd consider them if they got real cheap, but I mean, you're paying full price on most of these guys, so I'd still just stick to the reliable midfielders. Um, and that's that's the questions for the week. Um, wrapping it up, we are on SoundCloud, iTunes, um, website, obviously. Um, yeah, that, hopefully we, um, we have another, well, hopefully I have another good week. Pete, you... Um, You'll probably sustain one or two more injuries and be back in the same position next week. Sorry to say. Oh, it's likely. <laughs> uh, hopefully have a good week. I need one. Um, you might need to post who you're trading in on the page so people can be wary. Yeah, I'm probably going to double downgrade, so I mean, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, watch out. out Gunston, I guess. Look out for those rookies <laughs> and do not jump on Gunston. Um, thank you again for this week, Peter. Um Look out for Cheese on Houston's podcast on the Friday morning with all the begins and outs, and we'll talk to you guys this time next week. All right, see you later, guys. Yeah.